0: Are you ready to jump in the word? Uh, okay, wait. Are you ready to jump in the word? Yeah, that's better. That's better because the word is the only thing that that never returns void. Victor's definition or translation of that is: it's the only check that will always cash. Amen. It's the only check. Sometimes mine's, you know, I don't know, but but you're, you know, I but but the check that is that is the word of God. It's always good. It's always beneficial. So, how many of you are ready to cash some really good check this morning? All right, you ready? All right, let's do that. Let's let's do that. Um, we we started uh, several weeks ago, and we're going to wrap up a series today. Um, that's based on um, the most famous message or sermon that Jesus ever gave, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it literally says Jesus sat down and he taught. All right, and 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 it is amazing the stuff that's in the Sermon on the Mount is phenomenal. But we've been focused on the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is known as the Beatitudes. It's the God wants to bless you, and here's how. All right? And we've been looking at it a little bit different in that we've been taking these things that that Jesus said, If you or when you do these things, you will be blessed in these ways. And we've been taking those things and applying them to our families. Because how many of us could stand a little more blessing in our family? Blessings from God, all right? Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand. That means you're good, right? You don't need God's blessing. Let's try it one more time. How many of us need God's blessings in our family, all right? How many of you got two hands up? You're like, yep, that's me. All right, we need all we we can get, all right? Um, as we've been digging in this, we've had one key thought that we've explored as we've walked through these Beatitudes. All right? And here's the thought. Grab your notes. Did everybody get notes? All right. If you didn't get notes, raise your hand, uh, and we will get them to you. All right. Then grab your pen and write this down. Here's our key thought for the whole series. It is this. We are not just a Christian family. We are a what? We are a what? Christ-centered home. We are a Christ-centered home. Some of you are like, well, isn't that the same as a Christian family? Unfortunately, no. (laughs) It's not the same. It's not. Mainly because we live in the South. And everybody in the South is like God-fearing Americans. Right? We're all like God-fearing Americans. And I was born a Christian. I'm just a Christian because I'm not something else. I I mean, it's true. It is. Do you realize, according to the Census Bureau, over 80%, over 80% of those that live in the state of Arkansas say they are Christians. And I look around and go, okay, so where are you? Right? Where are you? I, I mean, seriously, where are I mean, I mean, think about it. Think about it. I mean, we are not just Christian in name. Because those that are just cultural Christians... They just say, hey, I'm a Christian because I'm not something else. Um, they, They have no passion for the things of God. They have no power. They have no real peace. I mean, they don't look any different than any other family. And we looked at this the first week and we asked the question of if, if your family was put on trial for being a Christian, could those around you find enough evidence by looking at your family to convict you of being a Christ-centered home? Could they convict you? Could they dig up enough stuff to overwhelmingly prove in the court of law that you are a Christian. I mean think about that. That's a pretty that's a pretty big deal. Alright? That that Jesus isn't just some guy that we pray to when things are going bad and we need something. You know that 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 you know being involved in the body of Christ is not just what we do at Easter or when it's convenient. You know? That Jesus is not part of our lives. If you got that bumper sticker that Jesus is your co-pilot, you're in trouble. He's not my co-pilot. He is the center. He is the sun that holds me in a correct orbit. Does that make sense? Because if he's not there, guess what happens to Victor? He flies off out into la-la land. Right? Right? I mean, it's just, it's just true. It is so, it is so, so true. You know? And here's the thing. When we are Christ-centered, we are different. Amen? Come on. We are different. Amen? We are. We are, we are different. Our outward expressions and experiences are different. Our family values are different. Amen? Come on. Our family values are different. (laughs) Yeah, they are. I mean, when we are Christ-centered, the way we raise our kids is different. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Come on. The way we raise our kids is different. It is. It is. The way we love and honor our spouse is different. Amen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no jabbing or, I mean, I mean no. The way we honor, the way we respect our spouse, it's different when you're Christ-centered. You love them as Christ loved the church and died, laid down his life. It's different. It's it's different. It it really it really is. Um, the way we spend our time and money is different. Amen. <laughs> there wasn't too many amens. No 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 not that. No, the way we spend our time and money is different. Right? It is. It it, it really is. Um. I have one thing I want you to really understand today. I have one very encouraging truth for you today to take away. One thing that's going to bless you big time. And that is this, write this down. Because if you're different in all of those ways, here's the truth. If you are a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. There is the uplifting, encouraging thought of the day. Be blessed and have a great week. The truth is, if you are Christ-centered as a family, you will be persecuted. You will. You will be persecuted. Without a doubt, you will. People will mock you. Some will make fun of you for the way you raise your kids, for the morals that you have, for the way you set things up. People look, I mean, I mean, for each of us, it's different, you know? For me, uh, sometimes it's, uh, we're not going to invite the preacher or we won't have any fun. We're not going to let the I mean, we wouldn't have any fun if the preacher showed up, you know? Um, I mean, it looks, it looks different, you know, for some, or for me, sometimes it's, I walk up into a conversation and, and, and there's that awkward transition in the conversation, you know what I'm talking about? You know, there's that awkward transition and it's like they go from this really questionable, you know, conversation. You walk up and the face changes and uh, they instantly start talking about prophecy and revelation or something, you know. And I'm just like, shut up. Just shut up. I mean, that's just, I mean, you know. When we're, I, I understand I'm weird. I'm different. I am and and, it, and it's okay if if i if i live a christ centered life i will be persecuted i i, I remember though was uh last year um my daughter and i took her car you, some of you seen her little red car that we built and uh had it down at the uh um car show downtown and uh we were standing there, we were talking, I was talking with this guy, and, and he was he was talking about and asking questions about the car, and the more he talked, the more he talked to Emmy and stuff, and then he's talking to me, he's talking about, you know, asking stuff, and and we're like, yeah, and when he started realizing that, that, that the two of us had built the car, you know, literally every piece of it, the two of us did together. And, and I mean, we, you know, the, the paint, the bodywork, the interior stuff—you know, she sewed the door mat, the door lines, and all. The, I mean, all this, and put this, you know, motor and transmission, all this stuff. And we're talking about the car and talking about the car, and the guy said, "So, do you do this for a living?" And I'm like, "No." He said, "What do you do for a living?" I said, "Well, I, I'm a pastor of a church." And he looked at me and said, "What a waste." What a waste. I'm like, I'm like yeah, because I could be doing something important, like building cars, right? I, mean, I uh, you, you know what? Um, when you're different, persecution will come. It will. The first week we looked at the beatitude that said, Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can I tell you, if you're hungry for righteousness in a world that's hungry for selfishness, you're going to get made fun of. You're going to get looked at different. You know, we looked at at the scripture a couple weeks ago that said blessed are the pure in heart for they're going to see God. Blessed are the... Can I tell you, if you choose to live a life of purity in a world and in a culture that celebrates impurity, guess what? They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're a little different. You know? If you do what we talked about last week, it said blessed are the peace what makers. Blessed are the peace makers. You know what if you forgive people that don't deserve it, if you turn the other cheek, give the shirt off your back, people are not going to understand you and you will be persecuted. You will. You just will. Matter of fact, in Matthew, if we go to those Beatitudes, go ahead and turn with me. Matthew chapter 5. Come on. When you get there, say yeah. Y'all are fast. (laughs) You're like, no, I just know it's going to be up here. That's all. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. They're actually, yeah, verse 10. Blessed are those who are what? Blessed are those who are what? Persecuted because of righteousness. Guess what? If you pursue righteousness, he's saying here, guess what? You're going to get blessed a whole lot. Because you're going to get persecuted. You are. You are. He said, blessed are those. Matter of fact, let's read that all together. Let's start. Very beginning. Ready? Go. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, I've had a lot of conversations with people that said, man, I'm, I'm being persecuted. I'm being persecuted at work. No, you're in trouble because you're lazy. You're not being persecuted. I mean, let's face it. It doesn't say, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of what? Righteousness. Not because you're an idiot and do dumb things. Alright? So so you gotta you gotta I mean, seriously. I know that I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Alright. Um Blessed are those. <laughs> Because of righteousness, right living, right doing, right standing with God. All right. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. All right. I hope you wrote that down. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. How many of you know that's a really good thing? I mean, in the kingdom of heaven, you can't even imagine. It's huge, all right? It's a really, really big deal. Matter of fact, it goes on in verse 11. It says this, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of what? Because of me, because of Jesus. All right, Remember, Jesus is talking. Because of Jesus. It says, rejoice. <laughs> yeah, when I'm persecuted. Rejoice. Be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed when people insult me. When they mock me. When they ridicule me. When they make fun of of me. I am blessed when I do the right thing and it costs me. It's what it says. When when I do the right thing and and it costs me. You know, there are those that act like persecution is a relatively new thing. <laughs> Being persecuted for doing the right thing is kind of a, I, I'm just going to tell you it's been around a long, long time. Matter of fact, you got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first family on the planet, the first family on the planet. There was persecution for doing the right thing. You remember the two brothers Cain and Abel, you know. Well, guess what? Abel was doing the right thing with the right heart. Cain didn't like it because he was doing what he wanted to do and God wasn't blessing it. So guess what? He got mad at his brother who was doing the right thing and God was honoring and you know what he did? He went and killed his brother. How many of you know That's a pretty significant persecution. He died for doing the right thing. He died for doing the right thing. That's pretty amazing. He was killed for righteousness. As a Christ-centered family, where our values are different, um, you know what, maybe maybe you're a teenager. And a few weeks ago when we talked about pure in heart, you made the commitment that, you know what? From this day forward, regardless of my past, I'm going to live in sexual purity. I'm going I'm to preserve my body for my husband, for my wife. I'm going to live in that. Can I just tell you, if you've made that commitment to righteousness, get ready. You will be persecuted. There will be those friends that say, man, look at, look at all you're missing out on. Look at, I mean, look what you could be living. Look what you could be having. Yeah, look at all of the garbage you could be bringing in, you know? I mean, look at all of the baggage. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm not, I got to follow my notes this morning. All right. <laughs> they will, they'll think you're crazy. Maybe you're one of those that set, that have set the standard of saying, "You know what? I'm going to live in righteousness. I'm going to I I'm there are certain types of movies I'm not going to go to. I'm just not. Because there's poop in the brownies. Right? There's poop in the brownies. You know? And I don't want, you just got to get the CD if you weren't here, all right? Um, Matter of fact, I don't know who it was. I don't know. I had so many people ask me, was there really poop on that brownie? And I'm just going to say, I'm not telling. And I'm really not telling now because after the second service, yeah, one of you guys ate the brownie. I'm just going to say I would not have eaten that brownie. Uh, all right, whoever it was that ate the brownie, I don't know who ate my brownie, but anyway, all right, I'm just going to say. Anyway, all right. Um <laughs> our values are different. Our values are different. Uh, and and so there are some that you're going to say, "You know what? I am not." And I know this is controversial. All right? I am not going to let my kid be in this particular sports league because all of their games are when we normally would go to church. And there's some of you sitting there that would go, really? You would put church in front of my 10-year-old's future I'm just dumb enough to believe that, that their spiritual growth is a better investment in their future. I, I just, I'm dumb enough to believe that. I, I really am. Um, so, we're all going to experience, as Christians, persecution. How do we lead our families in persecution? What do we do? What what do we do? How do we lead and guide them? As Christians, I mean, what do we do? I'm going to give you a couple things that I believe we teach our children. We teach those around us. Right? Grab your notes. Write this down. Number one we're going to teach our families when it comes to persecution to expect it expect it so really you teach your girls to expect it yeah we're we're different we our, our values are different than the rest of the world I, I mean we are we are different as christians you said you really would teach your kid that yes And I've got a great example. Paul taught his spiritual son, Timothy, this truth. Paul told his spiritual son, expect it. Expect it. Matter of fact, look at it in 2 Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy. All right? We've got a bunch of scriptures to run through real quick, and I will get you out on time because I'm hungry. All right? You ready? 2 Timothy. All right? chapter 3 and verse 12. It says this. In fact. Everybody say in fact. That's a fact. Right? It says in fact. Now he's talking to his spiritual son. In fact. Everyone. Say everyone. Now look at somebody and say you're an everyone. You're an everyone. You are one of those everyone's. Alright? Here we go. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. (laughs) Everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life With Jesus Christ as the center. That's what it says. With Jesus as the center, will be what? Persecuted. Not maybe, not could, possibly. No. It says you will be persecuted. You will be. No question about it just expect it. You will live life different and you will be persecuted. I know that that for some of you you're growing in your walk with God and and in a couple of months kind of freaks me out it's going to be Thanksgiving and you may be in a family that 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 this whole Christian thing is foreign. And you take the stand and say, you know what, can I can I pray over the food? Can I thank God for the food? There will be some of you that will then get the looks, the jabs, the, what is he, a churchy boy now? You'll get some of that. He says, man, when you put Christ in the center, you will be persecuted you will be. Not maybe, not possibly. When you pray at the restaurant, there will be those that think, oh, they're one of those. It's true. It'll happen. You know? There are those that I know, there are students that I know that segregate themselves at at lunch, at school, to do their version devotions where they read the Scripture and they And they hear what God has to say. And there are those in this room that have been persecuted. Right here. Because they chose to take their lunch time, instead of hanging out with everybody, they chose to spend it with God. They're weird. They're different. And they will be persecuted. So we need to, number one, what do we do? We... What do we do? We expect it. Everybody say it with me. We expect it. We teach our kids to expect it. You know? There are there are ladies in here, young ladies, that have decided, you know what? I'm not going to dress like all my hoochie friends. <laughs> Did I just say that? Is that still a cool word? Probably not. My girls will correct me and say, never say that again, ever. All right? Uh You know? That they've decided that, that their bodies are not their own. You know? And they're not gonna wear denim underwear out there for everybody to see. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know? I mean they're gonna Yeah. Guess what? They're gonna get ridiculed. They are. They're gonna get just what do we do? We what? We expect it. We expect it. In John, I want to read a scripture. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go there. All right? You guys stay with me. Are you still with me? Then all right? All right. John chapter 15. It says this. And this is Jesus talking again. All right? If Jesus is talking, how many of you know it's probably pretty important? Right, All right. Verse 18, it says this. If the world hates you, keep in mind... It hated me first. <laughs> the world hates you. They think you're weird. They think you're different. Guess what? Don't, don't, yeah, it, it, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, and this is a big check for all of us, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. Everybody say, I do not belong to the world. I don't. But I have been chosen. I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world is going to hate you. When it hates me, when it persecutes me, I just need to, what, number one, expect it. It just comes with being a child of God. It just does. It's okay. Just expect it. All right. And then number 2, I'm going to teach my family to endure it. I'm going to teach my family to endure it. I expect it. It's going to happen. All right? All right. And, and and number 2, I'm going to do what? All right. Say it all together, ready, go. Endure it. I'm going to endure it. I'm not going to whine and complain about it. No. I'm going to endure it. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we do what? We bless. When we are persecuted, we what? We what? We endure it. Hmm. We endure it. We don't cry about it. We don't say it's not fair. We're losing all of our rights. It's not fair. No. So it says when we're persecuted, what do we do? We we endure it. We endure it. It's not fair my friend unfriended me on Facebook because I took a godly stand. It's not fair. No, we don't whine about it. We don't complain about it. We, what do we do? We We endure it. Remember, we live in the most spiritually, um, well, I don't even know how to say that. Let me, well, let me say it this way. We are spoiled. <laughs> we are spoiled. We get all worked up over nothing. When most of the Christian world, they are really persecuted. I know there are some here. There were some in the first service that I know that when they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you know what happened? They lost their family, lost, disowned, never talked to me ever again. They were persecuted, still being persecuted. I, I, I know that there are some that have lost their jobs for taking a godly stand on things. But I also know that there's big parts of the world where they give their lives for this thing we call Christianity. And we whine about getting made fun of. We, we do. So when someone makes fun of us, when someone doesn't invite us to the party because you're one of those... We need to just endure it with a smile. We do. We endure it. Because here's what happens. When we endure it, when we just expect it, when we endure it with a smile, you know what happens? Our spiritual roots go deeper. you know the more a tree is beat around, the deeper its roots go? Did you know that? That's pretty amazing. And and the more we endure, you know, the more we endure persecution, the deeper our roots go. And the sweeter our walk is. Do you realize there's 6,000 years worth of history right here that proves that people are closest to God In persecution. Their walk with God is the sweetest, the strongest, when they're being persecuted. And I was thinking about that. And I wonder if here in America, the fact that we are not really persecuted like the rest of the world could be why we're not really spiritually in tune like we should be. I wonder if we should pray for persecution instead of whine and complain about it. Because it's in persecution that the church has always flourished. The body of Christ has always gotten strongest. Our walk with God gets deeper because we're left to rely on Him. Not on all of our spoiled stuff. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing. And here's what I know also, that when our identity is in our hub, is is Christ, Jesus Christ is our center. I want you to write this down. Just a little side note. Um, when family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. It's a good parenting skill right here. All right. When our identity, when, when family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. But when family identity is weak, peer pressure is strong. You say, really? Yeah, yeah. You you know, I thank God for my parents because they said we are a Christ centered home. I never asked one time if we were going to church. That would have been ludicrous. We're a Christ-centered home. That's our identity. That's who we are. Alright? That is who we are. Alright? And because of that, because of, of my, my, my value, was Christ-centered. You know? I went through the struggles of identity and all those kinds of things, and my parents would just point me back to Christ. Back to He is what makes you valuable. He is who you are. He is the one that gives you the the gifts and abilities. He's the one that kept pointing me back, pointing me back. And can I tell you this? I really believe because I had a strong identity of who I am, who we are as a family. When my friends were all partying, sleeping around, running around, you know what? None of that looked attractive to me. Because I knew who I was. I didn't need those other things to be somebody. I knew who I was in Christ. And when our identity as a family is, is strong, peer pressure is, is weak. When we have a strong center to hold us, there's not a whole lot that the world can pull on us. I understood that I lived for something much bigger than myself. I understand and I try to put these things into my family. I understand we have purpose and mission. You know? And 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 you know what? Persecution's gonna come. Just do what? Number one, what are we gonna do? We're gonna What are we gonna do? We're gonna We're gonna expect it. Alright? And number two, we're gonna endure it. And number three, write this down. We're gonna embrace it. We're gonna embrace it. We're we're gonna Thank God for it. Now that's a weird thought. When persecution comes, we're going to thank God for it. Thank God that I get to suffer in some small way like Jesus suffered for me. I'm going to thank God that I get to suffer a little bit for the cause of Christ. And you're like, really, you would, you I mean, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, um, Peter actually wrote to a group that was enduring persecution. Matter of fact, let me tell you a little bit about this group that Peter was writing to. This group had, had made such a strong stand for the, um, for the resurrected Jesus that, uh, that, that the, the government and everybody else had come against them. Matter of fact, the group that Peter was writing to, some of their family and friends had been questioned. Do you believe in a resurrected Jesus? And they said, absolutely. We believe in the way. We believe in Jesus Christ, in his resurrected actual body. Yes. He is a resurrected Messiah. Because of that, they said, you have an an option. Deny the resurrected Jesus or go to the Colosseum. Many of these people that Peter is writing to, many of them had family and friends that were put into the Colosseum for being a Christian. Lions were released in front of crowds of thousands to watch the lions rip the Christians to shreds. They saw their friends and family die for this thing we call Christianity. And Peter writes to that group of people, he writes this, go to go to 1st Peter. All right? 1st Peter chapter 4 and look at what he says in verse 12. Dear friends, now they just saw their friends all getting devoured. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty strange. I think it's a big deal. My friends just got ate. They just got ripped to shreds. He said, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's that unusual for these kind of things to happen. Instead, verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in, in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler however verse 16 if you suffer as a what if you suffer as a christian do not be ashamed but praise god that you bear his name it, it literally says in the original translation praise God that you bear his mark his mark literally talking about beaten scars you bear his mark praise God write this down that you bear his name when I am persecuted praise God that I bear his name when I'm not invited to the party praise God that I bear his his name. When I don't get the promotion at work because I would not do the questionable thing, praise God that I bear His name. Praise God that I bear His name. When I suffer for doing right, praise God that I bear His name. I told this story a while back, but I just think it's very fitting as we wrap this thing up. Today, I don't know if you've ever read, and I would encourage you to get, it's a book um, called Jesus Freak. Um, and uh, it, it is a book of uh, stories of those who call themselves Christians and, and how they have suffered for Christ, suffered for the name of Jesus. Years ago, there was a a girl, 17 years old, her name was Anna. Anna was drop dead gorgeous. I'm talking model kind of beautiful. She was gorgeous. Everything about her was beautiful. And Anna loved Jesus. In a place in Russia at the time where you could not be a Christian. It was illegal. Christians were being persecuted. And Anna, being filled with the love of Jesus in a very depressed area of Soviet Russia, she would go out on the street corner and she would take little index cards and she would write scriptures about the goodness of God. About God's grace and about God's forgiveness and how God with god you could you can have a hope and a future and she would just they said people would would literally mob to her because of her beauty and and she would just write these and she'd talk to the person and and then she would write a verse that was specifically for that person and she would write these cards and she would just encourage people well one day. Um, some of the officers um came by and uh and and they were they were seeing there was people around her they walked up and they they just enjoyed talking to her because she was so beautiful and uh and 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 she talking to one of them well she just wrote a scripture on a card for one of the officers and the officer didn't even look at it he just stuck it in his pocket he goes about his day and Later in the day, he was uh, back in what would be known as our police station. And as he was there, he was talking and the captain came up and he's talking to the captain. He said, hey, what's that in your pocket? He said, oh, I don't know. It's a card the pretty girl down the street gave me. And the captain looked at the card and it had a scripture on it and said, well, don't you know what she's doing is illegal? She can't be doing this. Go arrest her can't be sending out this propaganda. You go, go arrest her. So the officer went, and sure enough, she was on the street writing these cards and handing them out. And he arrested her. They warned her and said, man, you cannot do this anymore, and they let her go. The very next day, she was out on the street writing scriptures, giving them out to encourage people with the Word of God. This time they arrested her, they took her in, they raped her, and they beat her and turned her loose. The beating was so severe that that she was, for a couple of weeks, couldn't walk, couldn't get out. But as soon as she could, she was back on the street, talking to people, writing the word of God, handing it out. This time, they arrested her. And they put her in, at that time, which was one of the most notorious prisons in Soviet Russia. For 17 years, Anna never saw the sun shine. For 17 years. For 17 years, the only time she was ever taken out of her cell was to be raped repeatedly. She had been beaten. She had been broken for 17 years. She was finally getting released. And the underground church, they said, She's, Anna's coming home. Anna's coming home. What? I can't believe she lived. I can't believe she didn't die in there. I want And so the church gathered to hear and to see. And they were all wondering, when Anna gets here, what's she going to tell us? What, what miracle did God do to, to sustain her? What angel visited her to encourage her? What was it that helped her through the 17 years of hell? And they said when Anna walked into the room, she was unrecognizable. They said her face was all scarred up. It was her skin was gray from the lack of sun. She was bent over, broken, could barely walk. They said she looked like she would have been in her late 80s. An old woman that was only 30 years old. And as she hobbled to the front of the room, And the people were asking, what was it? What was it? What sustained you? How did you make it? What miracle happened? I want you to hear what Anna said. She simply read this scripture. And she said, this is what kept me for 17 years. In Matthew 11, it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. And then she stopped and she said, but this next verse I understand more than any other verse in the Scripture. And then she read this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Seventeen years of beaten, Rape, abused, and her burden was easy, or the yoke was easy, and the burden was light. How? Because it says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake, for righteousness. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. For yours is all the peace, all the grace of God, all the grace of the kingdom of God, all the peace of the kingdom of God, all the sustaining mental ability of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Blessed are you. When you're persecuted for my name's sake, I was thinking about this as the worship team comes. I was thinking about this. We we feel this weight of of well, what what's going to happen? How's all this gonna How's all this gonna play out? Can I tell you? We are spoiled in America. But the reality is um, persecution to American Christians is growing. We we need to just expect it. We need to just expect it. We need to endure it. We need to what? Embrace it. And say, thank you, God for being worthy to bear your name. Father, I pray that we would get eyes to see like you see.